Welcome back to episode number 195 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is a podcast for building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your show host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we are doing a replay of an Ask Me Anything session on Enclosures Dust Collectors from the Dust Safety Academy with Niels Peterson, Senior Applications Engineer with Netterman. And those of you that have been listening to the podcast for more than a week now will know this is actually part two of this session. In part one of the Ask Me Anything session, we covered what is an EDC, uh, an enclosureless dust collector, what kind of industries are they used in, covered quite extensively what the limitations are, and got into a bit of the Q&A section from this Ask Me Anything session. So these Ask Me Anything sessions are things that we're doing back in the Dust Safety Academy. Every two weeks, we do an Ask Me Anything session or a training session through 2020 and 2021. More recently, we've had a number of questions come in through our help desk system on enclosureless dust collection systems. We've been pointing back, people back to that information. So we're going to publish this here on the podcast, this Ask Me Anything session. As you know, that more broadly, a lot of folks that are listening to the podcast will be interacting with these systems and want to get Neil's expert take on it as well. So it is important to note that this Ask Me Anything session is from back in October 8th of 2020. So it's about two years old now. So some of the information, some of the references may have changed. But a lot of the good information we shared and discussed and talked about, a lot of the questions that were answered are still as relevant today and important to get out there to the global community on combustible dust safety. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this week's session, covering the second part of this Ask Me Anything session with Niels Peterson on enclosureless dust collection systems. This is more of a general question, but what is the source to determine the CFM you'd need for various commodities? You may get this question every once in a while, but what do you, what do you tell people? How would you determine what you need for a CFM at your facility? Generally, you, you can do some Google search and there's probably a tables there for what a bandsaw may need. Typically, the equipment supplier should provide you with this information and they will tell you that, hey, this is what it is. Uh, many times uh, what we're dealing with is that the equipment supplier has already put pickup uh, on the equipment and it may be four inch, three inch or whatever it is. So... We will generally calculate on the area of that opening and generate 4,500 feet per minute velocity through that opening. So you're simply determining you have the duct size already given by the opening. And as you design the ductwork, you start adding areas together to maintain the 4,500 feet design velocity in your system. Thank you for that. And the key is the 4,500 feet per minute. And, and then designing so you're getting that at your pickup point, and, or sorry, in your ducting. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, it's a kind of industry standard, uh, and we do not want to see velocities much below 4,000, but uh, so 45 is, is a good number. It's not going to be perfect like that all the time if you measure it on it, but it gives you an average velocity. When you're talking to companies, I mean, do you recommend they take a look at their ducting every once in a while, make sure that they're, I mean, you can design it as such, but at the end of the day, you really want to know, do you have dust in your ducting? So is that a recommendation you make for companies to do? The requirement from NFPA is that the ducting should be inspected annually. And to be inspected, but also you should have a flow measurement taken in your duct to see that you're actually having that power velocity. This kind of goes somewhat beyond, beyond enclosure this dust collector because it's an industry standard for dust collection that you, you should be doing that. Yeah, and I'll, I'll mention a couple other incidents from this OSHA study that uh, the student did at Dalhousie, but we, there were some where ducting was so full of dust that its hangers broke free and it fell on top of workers. 
Fortunately, mm-hmm. nothing ignited. Unfortunately, you got a giant piece of ducting and a lot of dust falling on workers. So that's not a good thing. Yeah, so you need to be inspecting those and, and ensuring that you have your line velocities and that you're not getting accumulation of dust. I mean, the, the big issue is that people change equipment. And generally, the dust collection is a, a non-income producing machine. Uh, and they say, oh, we have some suction here, but let us go online and buy some ductwork and tie it into the line. And then suddenly, you, your system is out of balance. And, and you just have uh, so much more, let us say, openings in your system that your velocity drops below the 4,000 feet per minute, and you're going to fall out. And that is, uh, is a nest for any glowing impulse to settle in and build, you know, with that constant uh, amount of oxygen getting into that little, it's just like starting a campfire, you know, you need to get enough oxygen in there to go off. And that's why that you have to keep proper velocity and making sure dust doesn't settle in the upward. Really good, really important points there. I guess we never said it, but the reason, there's a couple reasons why you don't want dust in your ductwork, but one is that if you have an explosion or an upset or an earthquake or, you know, any number of things that knocks the ducting down, then you have a dust cloud that can be already suspended in the air. And if that ignites, then that can be your deflagration. The big uh, issue, I mean, that people are, uh, have been an incident. All they're talking about, everything turned dark. And it is the secondary deflagration that most of the time hurts people. People that are standing in front of an explosion, you know, it's tough for them. I mean, they should never be there. But then if it is like Perry or Sherpa and other places, when this explosion happened and they haven't done proper housekeeping and the dust starts falling down, then you have that suspension there, and that's perfect for a deflagration, especially the secondary deflagration, that, that really can do a tremendous damage. We've, we've went through some really big questions. I try to bring it down to some simpler, small questions, and then we may sure. expand again before the end. Do you monitor pressure drop across the bags? And if so, how, how do you go about doing that for, for EDCs? Yeah, so that's a general question for DC or for enclosures dust. And typically, enclosures dust collector do not monitor that. I mean, it's more instrumentation and maybe people not really know what they're looking at. But, uh, I mean, it could be done. No, no, it actually cannot. It, it's because you have the positive pressure from the, the fan and it's the only pressure you have available. So you can get a relative uh, differential pressure between outside and what actually the fan generates, but doesn't give you anything about how the you know dust collector operates. So, you know, if, if, if of course, if you have a, a type of dust collector that tends to clog up and, and build up, of course, and it become inefficient. So it is important to look at dust collectors and close to dust collector that are somewhat self-cleaning and do not have a tremendous chance for build-up of, of significant dust in the in the back section, for the media section. All right, thank you for that. So is there a collection limit in terms of pounds per day that above which, in, uh, we'll say, the question is that a enclosure's dust collector cannot be used? So that's like one level, but is there even a, you know, a amount that you wouldn't typically want to use it just because it makes sense using a different approach? Sure. As we talked about earlier, that 
Okay, the uh, 654 has this 10 kilograms limit that you have to be stored, so you may have to empty the bag several times. 664 has the issue that you need to take the bags and whatever bags or drums, whatever that's underneath, has to be emptied once a day. Uh, the requirement is also that you cannot have a mechanical or any other means of removing the dust automatically. It, it does have to be a fixed system that you have. So like I said earlier, I mean, you're not going to put it on a molder or some other high shavings producing machine that, you know, will fill up your bags in an hour or so because then you have to go and clean it and then it's not, it's not functional, not practical. It is for low amount of dust that you are producing at soils and things like that. That makes sense. If you're changing the bags every hour, then it's probably not that practical. No, and, and, and I mean, we see, you know, getting out to installations where they have all the years added a number of those. And, and they're not, you know, they, they are saying, hey, you know, that's too much work. You know, we need to get a centralized system. So uh, there's a point, you know, it's a good thing to start out with. And uh, many companies are evolving over time. And um, it is where they start out. But at one point, they just need to, you know, more practical to have a central system. That makes sense. Technological question here. Can you incorporate load sensors into the bag so that you know when they're full? I think we are talking about investment in something that might be so so high, but anything is, is possible like that. Of course, you can put cells underneath, but some of them may have, you know, for the 5,000 CFM, you know, you may have six bags, and that means you have to have six load cells and, you know, they are probably going to cost more than the dust collector for sure. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's, in my mind, the value of having these sort of discussions is no question is a silly question. Let me start with that. So ask yeah. them. It should be so that the container should have some way, way of having maybe a window in it or something like that so you can actually see what is in there. But typically, operators will know that, you know, they have to do it once a day now. So we're going to be realistic too. They may not always do it once a day, but they do have a good feel for when they will need to empty the containers. Perfect. That makes a lot of sense. There's still a couple questions on spark detection. So I'm going to try to collect them up while we chatted and we'll run through some of them. The first one I have here is as a prevention tactic, should we be using spark arresting equipment and or magnets to remove tramp metals are coming into the, the system. I think you sort of already addressed this, that step one, don't use it on anything that should be sucking tramp metals that are hot. But do you see companies that are using magnets or certainly spark detection in addition to these systems for, for safety reasons? This seemed to be a misapplication for this kind of device. This here again is for simple light dust loads. And I mean, nails and things like that, Typically, it is not something that should be in that process. It seems like a company that has that kind of intensity and it probably need to be looking at a larger system and where it potentially necessary to have some kind of magnet in there. It can be applied. You know, automatic uh, metal remover of metals is a very expensive thing to do. You can have permanent magnet that you can open up and clean so often, but of course, that's up to the person to make sure it gets cleaned. So typically, it's just not a real good application for it because it potentially can generate sparks and glowing embers when you have metal components in it. 
I'm learning a lot through this discussion. I, I'm actually enjoying it quite a bit. You know, generally, don't we try to avoid saying who's asking what questions, but there's a couple different frames, right? So I could be a facility owner that's coming in or not an owner necessarily, but a facility manager, plant manager that's designing these systems or engineering team designing systems. But I also could be a regulator that's coming in saying, okay, I see this enclosure, this dust collector here. It's hooked up to a thing that's shooting sparks off. I got to tell this company something. So I got to tell them to put spark detection on it. I think the real value of this conversation is it gives them a tool to, to one, start to explain that, but then to say, well, this really isn't the right application for this type of equipment. And we're probably not going to get through all of being able to do that in, you know, and ask me anything in this format, but it's good to start asking some of those questions, start to highlight them from different perspectives. Sure. This was a, a pretty good question, I thought, in terms of the, the manual unloading. So is there, is there a specific safety reason that you shouldn't use a rotary airlock or closed loop transfer system to empty the hopper. Is there a, you know, is there a technological reason for that? Is there more of a safety consideration? Can I get you to talk a bit about that? It's a human factor that comes in here. So when, when the uh, regulations were written up and say, okay, how do we put something together that is practical for use in the target market? But when you're talking about needing water valves, closed loop systems and things like that, you're now talking about a high production type environment. That's not what we are talking about here. You know, so, so the high production environment, okay, go ahead and invest in high production equipment. But this here is again for the simple application, small applications. And, and therefore, so because there's always somebody that's going to say, okay, yeah, we, we, we can do this here. And, and, and honestly, we've seen some people in the marketplace say, oh, don't worry about it. But that is not, that, that is the purpose of it, is to say, hey, you, you cannot put these high production equipment on there, motors and things like that. that. That is not what this is for. What if I buy five and put them really close together? <laughs> no, <I'm Yeah>. <laughs> um, yes. So when we did the OSHA study, we saw some OSHA citations said things like enclosures dust collector missing venting, and mm -hmm. it doesn't even really make sense. You know, mm -hmm. you can't add vent. There's, there's nothing to vent. It's, it's already perfectly vented. But the, the point I guess I'm trying to say is this, I appreciate that, that Neil, you're just saying this is, that's the wrong application for this because that's the real truth. And if you're trying to jam this into certain types of, you know, high volume or other applications that you might need spark detection, higher exposure severity, manual yeah. or automatic unloading, it's just not the right application for it. And, and then that's where the DHA come in. You know, where you do have a professional come in, look at your application, look at the hazards that you have in your facility and give you a recommendation for how, how to do it. Don't, don't just rely on the salesman peddling a certain product. You need to have a professional come in and making sure that you identify the, the hazards you, you have in your facility and you are responsible for the safety of the employees and therefore you need to make sure you have a proper design system for, for your facility. Thank you for that. I'm just going to say this, this one word for word, and you and I can figure out if we quite get what they're saying. Do you have an opinion on a cyclone style with a fan on the top and filter bags at the outlet? The cyclone bottom empties into a steel garbage can. So I'm picturing a cyclone with a, with a sock on the bottom and then emptying. Is this the configuration you've seen, and do you have any comments on that? So 664 actually has specific statement on that, that you can have a cyclone with a fan on top, like we're talking about, with a barrel underneath. 
outside. And then you are ducting the exhaust air to an enclosureless, fanless enclosureless dust collector on the inside. So that, that is the permitted uh, prescribed solution in, in 664. Perfect. Thank you for that. If there are any other questions, keep them coming in. I have been removing some questions as duplicates of others, but if you think I've mistakenly removed your question, then uh, ask it again and we'll, we'll try to get through to it. So this question is a good one. Some vendors have offered and supplied metal barrier walls where the 20-foot occupancy rule can't be met on one or several sides. What are your thoughts on this? And I feel that one to you just to see if you can piece out enough to, to provide some thoughts on it. There is some provisions for separating walls. So it is not out of the question that it potentially can be used. You still have to probably have professional to review the, the conditions around there. Okay, thank you for that. And if there are any other questions on those type of separating walls, um, put them in and we'll put yeah, those we out. It, it's not something that has generally been discussed out there that I know of, but I would imagine that there has to be some flame waiting and things like that that you, you have to deal with because, you, you, you again, you have to protect the operator. But the, again, we have to be careful with that none of this here become suddenly to enclose the collector. Uh, if it is one single wall to one side with a little some space to the wall, I can see that potentially be a, a solution for that. How the AHJ OSHA will look at it, I, I couldn't tell them. In terms of the cyclone outside and the enclosure dust collector inside configuration, in this case, would you need an abort gate? between the cyclone and the enclosureless dust collector? No, basically just uh, that, that's not required. All that the standard are called for, and it is just a little different configuration of the normal, you know, enclosureless dust collector with a fan mounted directly on. They may have some easier way that they want to get the material, the heavy material to the outside, so it's easier for them to dump, and, and it may be also a little bit heavier material that separates out and therefore it's a it's a practical solution. There's no other requirements for this particular application like a water valve below the cyclone or a, a board gate isolation into the enclosure's dust cloud. Because again, the danger zone is still the collector because that's where you have the dust concentration. Now there's a lot of Discussion about cyclones, uh, do you have a high enough concentration in there? Typically, these cyclones are so small that even though there's some fine dust in there, that amount of dust will be so small that it's unlikely to get any kind of uh, enough fuel for an explosion. Okay, that makes sense. That discussion sort of ebbs and flows. Every once in a while, I hear a discussion on, on cyclones and, yeah. and whether or not you can have explosion in one, and then it goes away and comes back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a comment is that it'd be helpful to have safety bulletins explaining the kind of use of these systems and does Netamin provide such information? So I don't know, Niels, if, if uh, you can, do you know if, if Netterman on their website or somewhere would have some sort of information on how to best use at least the enclosure of dust collection systems that you guys produce? I mean, we do have a leaflet and I haven't actually reviewed them lately here, but we do have some information there and of course, for, for anybody that operates any kind of dust handling facility, they 
do need to be involved in or, or knowing the standards. The, the 664, I think it is, you know, you can read it online. Go on nfpa.org slash 664. You can read everything. You can buy one and have on your computer in PDF form for 40 some dollars or so. And if you are in the 654 area, you should have one of those as well. Thank you for that, Niels. I, I'll, I'll reiterate that. So if you go to NFPA's website, if you want to look at the standards, they're all there and free. They just make it hard to read, <laughs> as far as I can tell. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's a download, for sure. <laughs> or you can pay the 40 bucks and get your PDF that you can do whatever you want with. That's the point I want to say. They are available online. But if you go to NFPA's website, look for 652 or 664, whatever it is. If you put your email address in, click free, they'll let you open up a viewer that you can flip through and look through the sections related to enclosure of stuff collectors. And there's not a lot of them, but they have critical information in there. Things like the 20 feet rule, things like don't use on sanders. Like the, the things that we talked about today are in about a page's worth of material throughout uh, 664 have these requirements. And they're, they're quite stringent for um, enclosure of dust collectors. And it, it can be easy to get those wrong. So you can check those out there. Any last comments on these systems, Neil, before we close up the session today? What I should add in is that 654, again, has a few more restrictions on the use. And, and one of them is that the MIE of what you are using for should be 500 uh, millijoules or more. Um, specific thing about that is it's, uh, the, it says that in the, in the annex that it is tested as received. So that means if they have a composite of material of particle size, you know, you have particle size of bigger size and they get mixed with finer particles, you are actually increasing your MIE uh, on that. That was the main thing for 654. I mean, they talk about a fan suitable for class uh, two division two. Uh, I've in, uh, researched that a lot. And honestly, it's the same thing as a TFC motor, like it is in the 664 requirement. Uh, you have to even find this kind of motor out there. So they would, Perfectly well, yeah. But those, those are the main thing. Excellent. Well, then we'll close up for today. There are a handful of questions that we didn't get to. So I will, when we get this uploaded inside the community, we'll post these questions as well. And I'll point Niels to the, the right way to be able to answer those. And Niels go through and answer a couple of extra ones. If, if we could spare another 20 minutes of your time when uh, sure. to do that. I'll, I'll be happy to go through them and, and help out with them for sure. And so that is it for the second part of this podcast episode on the Ask Me Anything session on Enclosures Dust Collection Systems with Niels Peterson. Again, this was back from October 8th, 2020 inside the Dust Safety Academy. And we're replaying it here on the podcast because we recently, over the last number of months, got a number of questions about enclosureless dust collection systems. And we wanted to be able to keep that conversation going about the use of EDCs in industry applications and when they should be used and when they shouldn't be used as well. So in the first half of this podcast series, I guess, if you will, last week, we covered what is an enclosure dust collection system, what industries are typically used in, some of the limitations. I started to jump into the Q&A section from the audience on this Ask Me Anything uh, session. In this week's podcast, we covered things like band size requirements, how to determine the CFM for your facility, some very general topics, and also going into things like inspection of ducting systems, technology, Spark arresting systems, using conjunction with cyclones, using conjunction with barriers to reduce the 20-foot limit. And as I mentioned at the outset last week of this podcast, the thing I really appreciated about Neil's involvement with 
this Ask Me Anything session was that he's very candid and open about when the EDC should be used and when they shouldn't be used as well and what some of their limitations were as well. So as always, I hope this was helpful for your work. I hope you find it interesting. You can go to the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 195. If you have any questions, comments, anything you'd like to see on the podcast in the future, any guests you'd like to spring on, if you want us to have a new updated talk about enclosures, dust collection systems, you can always reach me at chris at dustsafetyscience.com. Look for us on social media or go to the website and fill the contact form there. Have a safe and productive week ahead. I appreciate everything you're doing in industries handling combustible dust, making them safer with the work that you do every day. Keep it up out there. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm.